Welcome to the worship of God. As we begin today, our first hymn of praise will bring back memories to some of us who grew up in vacation Bible school. The tune, the Austrian hymn, is what uh, many of us would come processing into. We would be carrying flags, you know, the Christian flag or the American flag. We'd bring the Bible in, and then we would pledge allegiance to the flags, to the Bible. And singing this hymn and singing it to this tune brings back memories of that. Now, at Northside Drive Baptist Church, when we worship God, we are not pledging allegiance to flags or to Bibles. We pledge allegiance to God. And so let's use this hymn of praise to do that. Let's stand together and sing. Join me now in the litany of invitation and confession. We have been called away from that which is mundane. We have, we have been, been called together, together to worship God. We bring our frustration and our faith, our heartbreaking grief, and our hearts full of joy. We ask God to grace us by hearing our laments and listening to our we confess our sins, and we know that through confession our hearts become porous so as to receive God's forgiveness. We Do have lived a small lives and not intended. We, we ask God to forgive us. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us lift our voices in praise to God.
Welcome again to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. During the summer, we meet here in the chapel, which is the, which is the church's original sanctuary, and it gives us a sense of being uh, more present with one another. Our singing is robust, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. So welcome this day. Some of you are guests, and we are glad that you're here. Some have come all the way from New York City to be with us today. There is on the edge of your order of service a, a welcome card and a response card. You'll take a moment to complete that. It helps me connect name and face with our guests. And then for any of you who have a prayer request, feel free to place that on the card. And it is an honor for our staff and our deacons to pray for you by name and by need each week. So you can drop that in the offering plate uh, when it's passed. This is a big weekend in our church. Uh, many of us have been at a Habitat build yesterday in the heat with a good family and with one another. And so we're a little bit weary in well-doing this morning, but we're here for worship. Also, it's a communion Sunday where we share uh, the body of Christ among us uh, that feeds the body of Christ. Steve Sheely is going to be our preacher today. He was our teacher in the church school session just recently. God has gifted us with a lot of learned people in the church, and Steve is one of them. Uh, the topic that he will be preaching on is sin. That's right. Uh, we needed a sermon on sin. We knew who to call on. It's part of the doctrinal series that we are doing uh, this summer. Uh, he comes with uh, a master's degree and a doctor of philosophy degree, studied at Yale, at Indiana University, Southern Seminary, and other places. So it is always a gift to hear him. The scriptures will be also connected to that sermon uh, around this notion of the doctrine of sin. So we get to, com to, to consider that. I like to think of us as a believing church that thinks through our faith, but also a church that behaves that way, as in we take the faith we, we talk about and go build habitat houses and go do mission projects and ministry partnerships. Welcome to the worship of God. The biblical story of the first man and woman, the serpent and the Lord God, and the forbidden fruit, a reading from Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And so he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is, it, that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden 
at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Here ends the first lesson. And now let's say our prayers. O oh God, you gave the heavens their glory and the earth its beauty and we marvel at the grandeur of your universe. Your world reflects your artistry and creativity, but you are also our creator, and you created us to reflect your image. But God, if we are honest, we are all too often pale imitations of who you are. Today's scripture reminds us that just like your first human creations, we are often tempted by the things of this world and desire to go our own way. We are sinners in need of your grace. We sin against you, O oh God. You have given us this extraordinary gift of life, and yet we treat it as common and ordinary. You are the word in our midst, but we are so full of the chatter of our own lives that we do not hear you. And sometimes we treat our faith in you as more duty than delight. Forgive us, O oh God, for we have sinned. We sin against our neighbors, O oh God. We fail to love others as we love ourselves. We try to silence those with whom we disagree, to exclude those who are different, and to cast out those who are different than us. Too often we find it easier to find fault than to offer grace. Forgive us, O oh God for we have sinned. And, O oh God, we sin against ourselves. We do not always love ourselves as we ought. Too quickly we give up on ourselves, and too long we remember our failures. Too often we allow the cares of this world to deprive us of inner joy and peace. And we try to be more and less than you created us to be. Forgive us, O oh God for we have sinned. In these moments, hear this prayer of confession, O God, for we know that naming our sin is the first step to being free of it. Capture us in your grace that we may know the freedom of forgiveness. And in being free, may we catch a wider vision of who we may yet become. All these things we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
the Apostle Paul's perspective on the presence of sin in the world, but also the presence of God's salvation. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion, from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death exercise dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as the one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Here ends the second lesson. Boys and girls, come forward and join me for a time with the children. Come on up, and Pastor Daniel can take your offering plates. There we go. I've got something in this bag I want to show you. I brought this bag from my house, and it has some things in here that some of us used yesterday, some of the grown-ups in our church, some of your moms and dads, to help build a family a house. Isn't that cool? To build a family a house. Wouldn't it be terrible on these hot, hot days if you had to sit in the street rather than be in the air conditioner of a house? My dad did that. Your dad did do that yesterday. My dad helped. I saw him. I saw him. I'm just glad he can still walk today and not be on a stretcher or a wheelchair. He worked, he worked hard. He hit a hammer on his thumb. Well, I was going to talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I brought a hammer with me because your dad and I and others were using a hammer, hammers yesterday to nail on the Habitat house to help build a house for this family that didn't have a house. And so, like the teacher there, the, the builder leader, said, Pastor James, would you nail this nail into this board? And I said, sure. And I went, pow, 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 pow. 
And he went, okay, next time, hit the nail. <laughs> and so we worked hard. Also, here's something else. This is a saw. saw. It looks like a knife, but it's a little bitty saw, like, like that. Well, uh, Mr. Corbin, Mr. Corbin, yeah, that's right, your dad, he was the one with the electric saw yesterday. And we would hear this, and we'd turn around and look, and it would be Mr. Corbin. And then we'd hear, and we'd turn around, and it would be Mr. Corbin. And then we said, Mr. Corbin, are you all right? And he went, <laughs> we use screwdrivers. We use, there's a pair of pliers. You know, your dad has a pair of pliers? Cool. You know what we were yesterday? We were helpers. And I bet you are helpers too. I think God wants us to be helpers. To be helpers of people. God has helped us. And we help others. Like, are there ways that you help your mommies or daddies? Like, like maybe washing dishes sometimes? Or maybe helping with the food? Or when the leaves fall down from the trees, that you'll help rake up the leaves? It's important to be a good helper. And I know that you will. Let's have a prayer. I want you to help me pray. And you say this after me, okay? Dear God... Dear God, thank you for helping. We want to be good helpers too. All week long. Amen. Thank you for being good listeners. You can go now. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. So the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, 
It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to the devil, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. So I realized this morning that it's a little dangerous to use a pop culture reference in a sermon title. Daniel sent me an email, something about Glenn Close, so. <laughs> and I'm glad the laughter suggests that I didn't, that there are folks in the audience, there are folks in the congregation that don't get this reference at all, which is the danger of getting old enough to make pop culture references to a culture that's no longer pop. <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember this or who didn't see it, I won't ask you to raise your hand. Fatal Attraction is a movie about a married man who has a torrid affair with Glenn Close and doesn't realize until he tries to break it off that his mistress is seriously, and I mean seriously, unbalanced. That film left us with some indelible images. A rabbit in a pod. You don't remember the rabbit in the pod? Yeah. And a shorthand for a cautionary tale. We use the term fatal attraction a lot these days, if you'll, if you'll notice. And it's really not a reference to anything that happened in the movie. It's just a general reference to things that can get you in trouble. Like having an affair with Glenn Close. I got, there, there we go. The thought, I want that, has been getting human beings in trouble from the beginning. It seems to be a part of our basic human DNA and a part of our normal living. After all, it's how we decide. It's how we choose. It plays a large part in how we decide on what to eat, where to live, whom we should marry. And I want only becomes a problem when what I want is something I shouldn't or can't have. When we ignore the possibility of danger just to satisfy our desires. This morning's story from Genesis 3 is a familiar one. It's been told and read, and far too often tragically misread, thousands and thousands of times. This story about Eve and Adam and the first sin is foundational to our mythos. 
It explains who we are in relationship to God, to, in relationship to each other, in relationship with creation. Since it is so foundational, and since my assignment this morning, weird as it is, is to talk about sin, capital S, sin, it's probably a good idea to take a closer look at some of the elements of the story itself. First of all, let's get the characters straight. There are all manner of creatures who inhabit this mysterious place known as the Garden of Eden, but the main characters are Yahweh, often Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, Adam, Eve, although they're not Adam and Eve at this point, they are Ish and Isha at this point. Thank you for that. As I heard it read again, I thought they're just woman and man, so... Uh, just goes to show what you hear every time you hear something else read. And the serpent. In this story, the Lord God walks around in the garden, particularly when the breeze is blowing in the cool of the evening. Man, Adam, mud, is created and given the job of tending the garden. Eve's creation occurs only because Adam is alone and needs a helping partner. And the serpent, and I cannot say this loud enough or strongly enough, the serpent is just a snake. No matter what John Milton envisioned for his epic poetry thousands of years later. So what happened? What's the timeline? First, God's admonition against eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was given to Adam before Eve was created. And there seems to have been no prohibition against touching. But the story really begins with the serpent's tempting word. And all we really know about the serpent is that the serpent is craftier than any other creature in the garden. That should be our first clue. This is not going to be a good story. I find it interesting as we go that woman, Eve, misquotes God. Of course, she didn't hear the quote. So this is hearsay, the first game of gossip, as you, if you will. When the serpent says, did God tell you not to eat? She says, yes, there are things we, we can eat of anything we want to, except these two trees in the middle of the garden, and we're not even supposed to touch them. We've already taken our first step along the road that leads to sin. Ironically, the serpent tells her the truth. The serpent says, nope, you won't die. You'll just have wisdom. You'll just have more knowledge. Because neither she nor Adam immediately keels over when they eat. The temptation for woman, for Eve, is to be like God. Her desire is for the wisdom to know good and evil. And oh, by the way, the fruit looks really good. Did you, did you pick up on that? That it was good, it looked good to eat. Did you notice there was no apple? Just pointing that out. Pomegranate, maybe, you know. Finally, and this I think is really important. 
it might be instructive for us to notice that Adam just eats the fruit she sets in front of him. He doesn't even ask a question. Just think, what's for dinner? How much that might have saved us over the years. Now there is a Grisardian moment. Prior to eating the fruit, they were naked and not ashamed. Now, having eaten the forbidden fruit, they are naked. No clothes on and up to something. What will we do when the memory of Louis Grisard? We will not be able to do theology without the memory of Louis Grisard. So they fashioned skimpy coverings, modesty garments, out of fig leaves, and then they hid from God. I think the next conversation is really what this story is all about. God wonders, God comes walking in the cool of the evening in the middle of the garden and says, where are you? And Adam says, we're not here. Why are you hiding? We heard you were coming and we were naked. I find the next line really interesting. Who told you you were naked? Who else is there to tell them they were naked? Asked if they ate from the tree. Do you remember what Adam said? This woman whom you gave me, she gave me to eat. Yahweh turns to Eve. What's this all about? The serpent beguiled me, there's good King James for you, and I ate. I have often wondered, well, let's feel sorry for the poor serpent right for just a minute. Can't you see the serpent look right and see nobody else to blame? (laughs) That we have taken this all the way down the line and the serpent is left just kind of holding the bag. I've often wondered where the story might have went if it were actually a real story if Adam had said well we screwed up we know we weren't supposed to do that we knew we weren't supposed to do that from the beginning we're sorry please forgive us or if Eve had said yep I'm gonna take responsibility for this one it looked good to eat and so I gave it to Adam Not one person in this story takes responsibility for their actions. There is no begging for forgiveness. There is no opportunity for God to offer forgiveness. The rest is history. Life in the Garden of Eden is over. And the angel with the flaming sword is placed there to protect its mystery. Relationships are irrevocably shattered and filled with pain. Serpents versus humans. Humans versus creation. And they no longer have the luxury of sitting and talking with God in the cool of the evening. Unfortunately, their story is still our story. Like the first parents, we find ourselves too prone to deny responsibility. To deny responsibility to God, to deny responsibility to ourselves. We're too prone to privilege our own desires, even when we know we shouldn't. Those attractions, those temptations, 
have proven fatal throughout human history. And they will always prove to be fatal without the intervention of Jesus the Christ, whose incarnation, death, and resurrection rejoined the divine with the human. We come to his table this morning. We come to remember a body broken and then restored to eternal living. We come to remember blood shed to forgive human sin, to forgive our sins. Thanks be to God. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. Steve, thank you for saying a lot in a brief time, because you, you spoke to our memory and you spoke to our hope. So thank you for that gift. Most of us live right between those, don't we? Between our memories and our hope, and God meets us right there. The hymn of invitation and dedication is from the uh, Sacred Harp tradition, or the Southern Harmony tradition. I've been, um, with this young man right over here, to a Sacred Harp singing before. Jerry Poole and I have gone, and we have sung with robust singing, as I know you will as well. Now, the text is a little ancient, in that it was written in the 1700s, but in the style of this music, it is almost more percussion than it is vocal. It has an impact as, you, as we breathe together and sing together and feel the song together. So that's the invitation. As we sing it, let's stand together and sing.
How well you sing in here? Yeah. I want to introduce somebody you already know. Cecil, would you come and stand beside me? How many of you know Cecil Pacetti? All right. See these friends? Cecil uh, and family used to be a part of Northside Drive years ago. He said he reared his kids here. And um, he has been a member lately of North, North River Baptist Church in Roswell, but he's coming home and uh, is finding a home here among these sinners, poor and needy. You fit right in, indeed, indeed. Uh, it's a joy to welcome him home, isn't it? Uh, Cecil, welcome. If you join with me in welcoming him uh, to membership at Northside Drive Baptist Church, please lift a hand. And with that hand comes our love, our affirmation, uh, the wanting to hear of where you've been and what your story is, and the welcome home to participate in a story that you had a part in creating years ago. Cecil, welcome home. We're going to let you go sit back here, and then we'll hear more words. Well, it's a great day to be with you at Northside Drive Baptist Church, and it's been a busy week uh, at the church, a week of, a week of doing uh, missions so I wanted to report on a couple of those. You already heard about in the, the Time with Children, uh, the Habitat for Humanity build yesterday. I think there were close to 20 Northside drivers yesterday. And what's amazing is that many of them are here this morning. Um, I think I, I nearly passed out from the sun exposure. I, I'm used to being in front of a computer. So that was a stretch for me, but it was a good stretch to be with you and to meet the homeowner yesterday. What a great joy. And she had two... Uh, grown children who helped build the house. It was a great joy. Uh, this morning, also, we had uh, some missions that we were doing. You may wonder why I'm holding um, what looks like my elementary school school supplies with me. Therefore, the children of Kendesi Elementary School, uh, which is uh, uh, one of our mission partners, and the Andrew P. Stewart Center is helping to support them every year. And so we packed a bunch of school boxes this morning full of school supplies. We're going to haul them off to the Andrew P. Stewart Center, who will then donate them to the Kendesi Elementary School. So thanks to all our parents and uh, adults who volunteered uh, to bring supplies and to pack this morning. Speaking of missions, we have uh, one of our great mission partners uh, represented this morning. We'll hear a word. Uh, Carol Collins is here with us. Carol, if you could go ahead and make your way to the front, and I'll introduce you as you come. And then I'll hand the microphone to you. Don't worry. You won't have to project. We're so glad to have Carol Collins with us, uh, who is the uh, Director of Operations and Finance with the Alliance of Baptists. And uh, Carol has been in town uh, with Liz Harris-Lampkin and others at the church yesterday as part of the Committee for Endorsing Chaplains for the Alliance of Baptists. Is here to bring us a special word. Uh, she comes from a Metro Baptist church in New York City, a church many of you know well, where our youth have gone for mission trips. And I got to spend some time with Carol at the Alliance gathering. In fact, sat next to your parents during a worship service. <laughs> we leaned over and introduced ourselves. So uh, welcome uh, again, Carol, and thank you for the word you're about to bring. It's, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. It's great to be here this morning. I um, can't see my phone very well, so I'm going to do the best I can with what I wrote. Um, it is good to be here. I don't think I've been here since... Um, 
Northside Drive hosted the 2015 annual gathering of the Alliance of Baptists, which was amazing. People still talk about it. You know, when we were at Northside Drive, they did so-and-so, and it was because of your hospitality, and it was amazing. Like I said, people still talk about it, so thank you. I am Carol Collins. I am um, co-director of the Alliance of Baptists. I do live in New York City. Um, I've only been there um, almost three years, and I actually live at Metro Baptist Church. My wife is on staff there, so we live in a church, which is an entirely new experience for me to, <laughs> to live in a church. It's a very busy church, as those of you who have visited there know, and it, it's, it's a great space. It's also good to be in the South. This is where I'm from, and people here understand every word I say. I don't have... <laughs> I have a time ordering cracked pepper black turkey at the grocery store because they don't. Uh, my story is that um, there's a man there and he raises his hand and said, I'm from Raleigh, I understand her, let me go help her. <laughs> you, you don't realize until you get there that it's really that different. I do bring greetings from the um, oh, about 140 churches and about 3,500 individual members of the Alliance of Baptists. Um, and we thank you for your financial support and uh, your prayers. We appreciate that from you. This weekend, I am here, as Daniel said, um, along with operations and finance, I also am the endorser for the Alliance of Baptist, which doesn't seem to match, but it works well for us. That means that um, people who work in chaplaincy, like Liz, have to have a denomination endorse their work. And I work on that, so I work with 150 chaplains and work with the um, new chaplains coming through the process. Liz just recently joined the Endorsement Council, who's the group of volunteers who helped me do this work. And we had a retreat here in your parlor yesterday. And I really appreciate um, you opening your space and allowing us to be there. And I'm grateful for Liz. She showed up in April, and I promise you we have had her work on the hardest work that we've done in several years, <laughs> bless her. And uh, she stepped right up to the plate. She did the hard work and offered the really good comments yesterday, so I'm grateful. And then, of course, there's James, who has um, helped me keep from pulling my hair out in these Baptist circles more than once. It's a thing to wander around in these Baptist circles, and I'm grateful. Um, I'm also grateful to the partnership that we have with Northside Drive Baptist Church. We also support the Entropy Stewart Center, so we have a lot in common in the mission work that we do, and it's, it's wonderful to be in partnership with you together. Um, thank you so much for the work you do in this corner of Buckhead, and it's lovely to be in worship with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carol. We have many concerns that we bring with us this morning. As you know, many are recovering from illness, uh, struggling with some very difficult times. So uh, we lift them up in prayer as we lift up uh, each of the concerns that you have that you bring this morning to God. And we'll continue our worship now with the giving of our tithes and offerings and uh, wonderful music by Alan Johns at the piano with O Divine Redeemer. Thank you, Alan.
At this time, we observe the practice and the service of Holy Communion. It is printed as a uh, litany and liturgy in your order of service. We'll begin with a sorsum corda that we'll read responsively. Know that everyone is welcome to participate, because sometimes it is only when we eat that we know how hungry we are. So now let us read responsively. The peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen. Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, bless
as Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us stand for prayer.
all-loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. So deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. Committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for Him more fitted. As you prepare to go today, remember to stop in the narthex and meet Cecil or re-meet Cecil and welcome him home to Northside Drive. Carol, it's been good uh, to share the day with you as well, and I often hold Jerry Humphrey's hand because she's only 103 years old, and it's always good to see you in worship. Indeed, indeed. And remember, if she can come to worship on Sundays, <laughs> we know who you are. Yeah. So as you go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. Take care of you. Look how fast you're walking. All right. <laughs>